Hi, this is Pastor Joshua Morocco, and you are listening to our King's Central Podcast. I hope you get encouraged. I hope the Word of God brings transformation to your life and empowers you. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the Word. Remain standing. Let's get into the Word. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to just read a few verses there this morning. We've been doing a series entitled The Blessed Family, and uh, I want you to take a look at this powerful, powerful verse of Scripture, Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. Let's read it together. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. It is a lamp. It is a light. We thank you that you have spoken to us and that that which you have said has been recorded and we have that which will lead us if we'll only hear and obey So we pray, Holy Spirit, you'd come upon me, give me great liberty in preaching that I might share your word in the power of your name and that lives would be transformed. Give us ears to hear, heart to respond, eyes to see. And Lord, I pray you would come in great power, breathe upon this congregation so that when we leave today, we leave changed by your power. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. My father-in-law, Les Bovey, Colleen had mentioned him. He's 100 years old. He became 100 while he was here on Maui a, few, a couple months ago. And, uh, but what's very interesting is that when my wife and I got married, we were driving to the place where we were going to have our honeymoon. And one of the things we talked about was how we were committing ourselves to be a blessing to our in-laws. You know, I don't know if when you first get married, the difficulty you have of calling your wife's parents mom and dad, and I know it's difficult for her to call my parents mom and dad, because you're so used to just identifying those words with just individuals you've been raised with. But we made a commitment. We are going to bless our in-laws. And I'll tell you what, it was one of the best commitments we made, because one of the things that took place as uh, my wife... Uh, blessed my mom and dad, and as I desired and tried, and we both did together, bless her mom and dad, we found that we got blessed more, because what you sow is what you're going to reap. And if you sow blessing, what are you going to get? You're going to get blessing. If you sow blessing, what are you going to get? Blessing. Are you guys still hearing me way there in the back? If you sow blessing, what are you going to reap? Blessing. And so... Um, boy, my father-in-law, he helped us build what, about three of our houses, and, and uh, he also um, uh, built churches here. In fact, he, he's been on most of the building projects that we've had here in Hawaii, and just a great, great man. And <clears throat> you may not realize this, but when we make a commitment to bless like that, it's as though God hears that. And he says, I will bless you. You know, we've been doing a series entitled The Blessed Family. We've talked about the decision 
The decision my parents made even before I was born to serve the Lord and allowed me the privilege of getting to know the Lord. And they, they, did, they did God's will, same with Colleen's parents. And I preached on I will to do God's will. We talked about being covered by prayer and I shared how mom and dad would pray. We, pray, we talked about staying righteous and living a righteous life before your children and living a righteous life, no scandals. Standing on the promises. I recall how mom would and dad would get a promise from God and they would literally live on that promise. We talked about having a beautiful marriage that God can bless. And we talked about being blessed financially. But I want today to talk on the subject, creating a culture of honor. Everybody say a culture of honor. And that's where we get this text. When you look at this text, you'll notice that the Apostle Paul has been instructing the church about marriage and family. He's just finished in Ephesians 5, talking about the relationship between a wife and the husband. And he talks about how to have a marriage God is pleased with. He now moves on to address the relationship between parent and their children. And the key word, I want you to write this word in and I want you to say it. It's the word honor. Everybody say it with me. It's what? Honor. honor. You say, Pastor, how do you get that? Well, let's take a look at what Paul immediately does. Paul the Apostle, now this is the great Apostle. He's wrote most of the New Testament. He literally gives honor to the children by addressing them. He doesn't talk to the parents about the children. He talks to the children directly. They're in the service. Are you listening to me? Look at what he says. He says, children, obey your parents. He's talking directly to them. By the fact that the Apostle Paul would be talking to children, he's elevating the status of those children in that church. You say, well, how come we have special services for children on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights? Well, we do that so that the children can hear the gospel in their own language, in their own way. But on Sunday nights, everybody say Sunday nights. We don't have that because I expect you to bring your children to church and we take communion together every Sunday night during this COVID. And when I was a kid, my parents brought me to church. I remember sleeping on the pew, under the pew, everywhere I could. She'd bring things for me to write on. But I'm going to tell you, sometimes the Spirit of God would come. And as a boy, I recall crying in the presence of the Lord, weeping, feeling His presence so strong on me as a boy. Every child needs to have that experience. So please, that's why we've structured our church the way it is. On Sunday nights, it's a family night. It's a night when all of the family can come and worship. You say, can a child experience God's presence? Of course he can. In fact, in some cases, he makes, they may experience it more than you. There's no junior Holy Spirit. There's only the Holy Spirit. And he moves on people. Paul goes on and he commands the children to obey their parents. Now, this is an interesting statement that Paul makes. Because a child must learn to obey. It doesn't come automatically. And here's the sad thing. If they don't learn how to obey, 
That child will have a hard time obeying God. If they can't obey you, they'll have a hard time obeying God. And those who struggle with obedience to God, oftentimes it began with a spirit of rebellion when they were growing up. You've got to teach your children to obey. You see, all children are fallen. We're all sinners. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. We're all fallen. We all need a Savior. We all need the transforming power of our Lord in our lives. And a child, yes, they may, may, they may not be as jaded as somebody who is older, but still the same. They need the same Jesus that all of us need. And what they need is a parent that is committed to facing the challenge. And let me not uh, kid you here. The challenge of a parent, it's one of the greatest challenges the parent faces is to teach obedience to the child. You know, every child's different. I had three children. One of them had a real strong will. I won't tell you which one. But a strong will. I mean, we thought we'd die. Because you'd say, go this way, that child would go the other way. You'd say, do the... <clears throat> screaming, hollering, shouting, pounding. <clears throat> we had to cast the devil out many times. I mean, hello. It was rough. We, learned, we, we, we were crying out to God, oh God, how do we do this? Lord led us to buy a little book called... Um, Children, Fun, or Frenzy. I think it's been renamed. What is it called now? Um, uh, Under Loving Command. I think we have it in our book nook. And if we don't, you just call the office. We'll order as many copies as you need. But it really helped us. We had to teach our children to obey. And we recognized that their need to learn how to obey. We had to be diligent in it. And Paul then goes on to define obedience and it's interesting, he says, obey in the Lord. Everybody say, in the Lord. Now, what in the world does that mean, obey in the Lord? Well, two things. He sees obedience, even of a child, as an act of worship to God. That when you obey your parents, you are actually worshiping the Lord by obeying them. Secondly, it's not, it it's also defines what you can and cannot do. That is, you obey, it, does, it, it doesn't mean you have to do everything because if somebody's trying to make you lie, you don't lie. If somebody's trying to, trying to cause you to do evil, you don't do evil. Uh, it's not doing anything that is against God's Word. So a little child needs to know the Word of God so they know not to break His Word, not to do evil. Somebody tries to abuse them sexually or in some way take advantage of them. They say, no, you're not going to do this. And you teach them what's right and what's wrong. It's very crucial. We live in a very evil world. And so oftentimes we fail in our ability to teach our children what's right or wrong. And Paul goes on to define this even more when he says, this is right. That is, what is God's will is for a child to obey in the Lord. It's God's will. It's God's plan for a blessed family, for a child to obey their parents in the Lord. Well, he goes on from there, and he says that this, this obeying is a part 
of a command that God gave to all of us. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And it says, honor your father and mother. He says this is a command with a promise. And really it has a twofold promise. You read this command in two passages of Scripture. One is found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, where it says, Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So you notice that the emphasis is on long life. But the next time it's mentioned is in Deuteronomy 5.16. And when it, go, when it says, Honor your father and mothers, it says, So that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord is giving you. So there's two promises here, long life and that your life will go well if you honor your mother and father. But it doesn't stop there when we talk about honor. And oftentimes when parents read this and they use it for, as a tool to get their children to do what what they want them to do, honor your father and mother. But you have to also understand parents are to honor their children. You say, well, where do you get that? Well, take a look at what he says next. He says to fathers, he says, now fathers, now this is interesting, do not exasperate your children. You know, my kids at a very early age memorized that verse and would use it on mom and dad often. Dad, you're... Ex you're you Uh, you're exasperating me, Dad. Thanks a lot, Paul. I appreciate that. What is he doing? Well, he says the same thing in Colossians. Chapter 3, verse 21, he says, Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Now, think of what he's saying. He's saying, be careful. Don't constantly, constantly nag and nag and nag. Don't constantly use words like, well, you never do that. You're always doing this. You're cursing your children when you do that. You're putting them in a place where they cannot win. You're putting them in a place of discouragement. Don't constantly be bringing up their past failures. Deal with the past failure and leave it there. Be sure you deal with it. There is the place for rebuke. There is the place for correction. There is the place for discipline, for the, for the punishment that goes with what they've done. But there's a second aspect of honoring your children, and that's to train and instruct your children in the way of the Lord, Paul says. Now stop for a moment. That's work. That's work to train and instruct your children. Because that means you have to continue to work with them all through their growing up years. In fact, you'll notice that some parents just leave it up to the church and say, well, the youth pastor is going to tell them what's right and wrong. Well, I'm thankful we have youth pastors and we have youth children's ministers. My children were blessed by all of the pastors in this house. They were really blessed. I owe a great deed, uh, a great uh, gratitude to those pastors that served in this ministry all these years because my, my children were blessed by them. But don't leave it up to the pastors and ministers. Understand something. They have relationships with other kids, and other kids shape their thinking. They need a parent 
that is going to be with them. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. And it's talking about these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. You see, what's being said here is that it's absolutely important for all of us to interact with our children. I interact with my children today. My kids call me. They have this question. They have that question. They, they, have, they call me about sermons they're preaching and what they, you know, what, what, what's your insight here, Dad? What do you want to do? And I'm thankful that we have that kind of relationship where they can feel comfortable doing that. I always had an open door policy in my office. Now, my office, you can't just walk in, but if you're a child of mine, you sure can. And they disrupt all kinds of things. Well, but that's part of being a parent. And sometimes we have to be aware of the fact we honor our children by our own interaction with them. My wife was excellent. She would plan, you know, my world was so busy. She would plan our day off so that the children would be blessed. And she'd work at that so that we would have uh, some hours together where we could interact and play. And I appreciate the fact that she was so willing to be that instrument to help us train and instruct our children. Well, I believe God's speaking to us today. And you might be saying, well, Pastor, what in the world is God saying? Well, let me, let me just pause here for a moment, ask a question. Now, this is a very important question because I believe it's a question God is asking all of us today. Is there honor in your home? We at times fail in this area, and I'm not telling you that I'm the paragon of virtue. There have been times where I have failed. We get frustrated. Anybody ever get frustrated? In, uh, a few honest folk. rest of you are lying through your teeth. But we all get frustrated. And sometimes what happens when we get frustrated, or, or what's even worse is when we have unrealized expectations. That means we're expecting something, but it doesn't come about. And the end result of that is usually anger. If it's a, between a husband and a wife, she thinks he's going to do something. He doesn't. She gets angry. Same the other way around. And it's the way with our children. They were supposed to do that. They didn't know we get angry. Well, there's no problem with getting angry. It's just what the byproduct of the anger. And that is that sometimes we unjustly punish. Sometimes we, sometimes we say things that we look back on and say, boy, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't said that. Because what we do is we fail in the issue of honoring our own children. And what we do need to do is to repent when we do that. Please, we're, none of us are perfect. We need to repent and ask for forgiveness. I've done that many a times with my kids. My, I'll, I'll do something and uh, uh, my wife will come to me in private. She didn't do it publicly. She'd come to me privately and say, Honey, I think, I think you were over the top on that one. I think you, you, you went too far. I think you need to ask for forgiveness. And I would go to them and I'd ask my kids for forgiveness. You see, what you need to be, what you need to understand is that it's absolutely essential that you live out honor, not just from them to you, but from you to them. 
And part of that, too, of this honor is that we need to not only repent and ask forgiveness, but we need to be sure that our marriage is strong because our marriage affects the thinking in the realm of honor that our children have. For example, love and respect your spouse and how you treat each other is the way your children will end up treating their wife or husband or end up even treating you. If you demean your wife and you demean your husband and you say horrible things, you watch, your children will begin to do exactly the same thing. Because what you sow is what you're going to reap. That is a law of God. You can't be in a marriage where you say all kinds of horrible things to your spouse and then think your, your children are going to be fine with it. It's not going to work that way. Don't demean your spouse. And if they have frustrations and problems, listen, you can spend time, but you do it personally with them as, 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 as a couple. And you say, look, this isn't right. Let's pray. Let's do this. Let's get this worked out. And if your children are asking, well, what about dad's doing that, mom? I, every time my wife did it for me and I did it for her, we covered. We covered our dignity together before our children. And we always did that. And we always treated our children with dignity. We didn't go run into there when they're in the bathroom. We didn't, you know, we treated them with dignity. If you want to be treated with dignity, you sow dignity for your kids. They have, they have feelings just like you. Don't treat them as though you can demean them and get away with it. You cannot. You will not. It'll come back on you. It'll bite you. You say, well, pastor, how do, I, how do I, I live out this honor in my home? Well, honor your children by having high discipline. Everybody say high discipline and high love. And you say, I don't understand what you mean. Well, there was a study done. It was a fascinating study on uh, parents raising children. They followed children for many years, from not only their time as a child, but all the way through uh, many years in adulthood. And they found that certain children did not succeed at all. They had problems after problems. And what you find out is they made a little kind of a square, and they had a scale. High love, low love, high discipline, low discipline. And here's what they found that the ones who treated their children with high discipline and high love produced the most successful children in life. Because, you see, that's the way God treats us. All you got to do is read Hebrews 12, and it says God disciplines those He loves. That if you don't get disciplined by God, you're not loved by God. Now listen to me. There's no one who loves people more than God. But he also disciplines people. You think you're going to get away with your nonsense? You're not. And if you're loved by God, he'll slap you upside the head. And you thank him for slapping you. Smile at me. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Listen, I've been in the ministry for over 50 years. I know what I'm talking I know of great preachers that blew it in their life and thought they could get away with it. They're not alive today. They're dead. 
I've seen it happen time and time and time and time and time and time again. God disciplined them, shortened their life. Now, let's talk seriously here. If high love and high discipline is being like our God, that's the way you are in your family. You don't allow your children to get away with stuff. And don't think it's cute when they sass you. That is not cute. That's evil. Are you hearing me? Because they're dishonoring you, and if you allow them to get away with dishonoring you and dishonoring members of your family, they'll live a lifestyle of that. And you may not understand the ramifications of that, but let me just suggest to you that death is the end result. You say, what are you talking about? In the Old Testament, if a child disrespected their parents, dishonored their parents, they were stoned to death. Now, we don't do that today, but there are forces in the world that will see to it that your child will, be, will experience a death, a horrible death, a death of drug abuse and alcoholism and on and on and on, and this abuse and that abuse and this and this and that, and it's like a living death. Now, stop it already. You be the man, the woman God's called you to be. You be one who expresses your love greatly. My wife and I were huggy bodies from the beginning. And we will always be. We still hug on our children. My children come and they want me to hug them. I need a hug, Daddy. And it don't matter if it's a woman or a man. We've expressed love. We're going to continue to express love. And now they're grown. They're not in my house. But when they were living in my house, it didn't matter what age they were. They would have been upper teens. And if they blew it and they did something wrong, they had to face a spanking from daddy. You go, ah, yeah. You say, what's up with that? Well, I'm just living out a biblical truth. Now, I never abused my children. Didn't do it in anger. And I always measured, but they knew exactly what was happening. Listen, I, I, I get so upset with people that have some crazy idea that somehow anytime somebody's spanked, it's child abuse. I was at a seminar. I was, I, was, I was one of the people invited to a special thing with the police department and others, and the issue was what was called um, a punishment in the home. And there were those who said, oh, we should make it illegal for somebody to be spanked. It's, it's illegal. And I'm sitting there, I'm saying, now let's stop here for just a second. Is it illegal for a married couple to have sex? No, it's not. It should be the joy of a marriage to be able to have sex as a husband and wife. Well, is there a difference between sex and rape? Well, yes, there is. Well, are we going to forbid all sex because there's rape? Well, that's what you're trying to do when you say we can't spank our children. We're well, brain dead or something. There's a difference between loving commandment and loving discipline and abuse. There's a big difference. And the people of God believe in discipline. 
Now, that's not the only way to discipline. We understand that. But it is a way that the Bible clearly talks about is the way that should be, be used. Now, the point of the matter is simply this. To discipline your children is work. Because you get into that big easy chair and you ask them to come and they don't want to come and you just say, oh, I'll forget it. No, 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 no. You are teaching them that laziness is more important than training them. Boy, it's quiet in this place. I better hurry up and finish this message. Don't say hallelujah on that one. Fourthly, or fifth, honor your children by letting them become adults. But before we do that, let me just share one I missed. And that is, you need to be in agreement in raising your children and in other areas of your life. You know, uh, <clears throat> let me share a story in my own life that was very important to me. Now, my, my wife and I, we were agreed at how we were going to discipline our kids. So you don't have this thing of one child, you know, going to the one parent and saying, you know, daddy did this, or mommy did this, and, and then they, they, everybody's a manipulator, and children aren't any different. They're the greatest manipulators on the planet. You know that. That's just the way it is. Everybody wants to get what they want, so they will work one against the other, and if you're not in agreement, you're in trouble, because those little kids will run you, and then you've really got a problem. Now, we were in agreement on many things in our lives, and that was what blessed us. And if, I was out, if I, we were in agreement on the way we disciplined, and if I blew it, she would let me know privately. She wouldn't rebuke me in front of the kids. She'd rebuke me privately, and I would listen. I'd do the same. Now, here's what's interesting. My parents <coughs> were, uh, were missionaries. They, I was born in Calcutta, India, as you know, they raised up two major churches there in India, and God used them powerfully. And then they moved to the Philippines, and he pastored a large, one of the largest churches in the nation in Manila for many years. But the times when he was in the United States, he was what they called a missionary evangelist. He would travel from church to church preaching and ministering. And when he would do that, he'd be gone from home. Now, what was interesting about this was that I never once, not once, ever remember mom complaining that dad wasn't home. And it wasn't that uh, she didn't miss him. Of course she did. And it wasn't that, that uh, we didn't miss him. Of course we did. But there was never this sense, because they were in agreement of their ministry, that she knew that that's what he needed to be doing. So they were in agreement. That agreement prevented our, our family, my kid, my, myself and my brothers and sister, from ever resenting dad for not being around. Because mom and dad were in agreement. Now, I'm not suggesting that, that that's the way your family operates, but if you're in agreement, you're going to prevent your children from dishonoring you because they feel like they've been cheated. If you're in agreement and you, you walk in agreement, some of you may have to work at night, some of you have to work two jobs, but if both of you are talking to the family about it and the kids know, daddy's doing this, mama's doing this, we love you, this is where we are right now, but we love you and we're going to be there for you, 
It's not a problem. But if you're screaming at each other, you are creating an atmosphere that's going to create dishonor in that little child's mind. And what's going to end up is you're going to end up yourself destroying your own children by your own mouth. Well, that brings me then to the next one, and that is honor your children by letting them become adults. You say, I don't know what you mean. Well, there is a scale called the dependence-independence scale. It's a part of growing up. When a child is young, they're very dependent on you. Their, their very life is dependent on you. Then they grow, and then, then they're dependent on you emotionally. They're dependent on direction. But there comes a time when they become independent. Where the problems come is when you as a parent never let your child grow up. They're 40 years old, and they're acting like a teenager. Give me a break. Well, I need them. I need them. I, well, we all do. But the Bible says they get married, they leave father and mother and cling to each other. Now we all, need, my, parent, my wife and I, we want our kids around us. But they're not our little kids anymore. They have their own lives. And our task now is to help them with their life and be the counselors if we can be, if they turn to us to be that. We pray for them every day. We encourage them, we help them in any way we can, but that's their life. Please know when to let loose. Don't do it too early, but don't do it too late. We have a problem in our society. It's called delayed adolescence. Listen, it was, it was apparent to me when I saw uh, a television show of the Rolling Stones 70-something years old, trying to act like they did when they were 20. I thought, my, act your age. Oh, that's our stuff. That's what we do. Well, I understand. But let's grow up. Let's let our children grow up. The Jews had a wonderful way of doing that. They had what they called a bar mitzvah, which was at about 13, a boy became a man, and they began to treat him like a man. We don't have anything like that. So nobody knows when they actually grow up. It used to be when they got married. But now we even delay in that. I mean, people got married at 14, 15, 16, 17. When I was growing up, people were married at early ages. Now they wait till 40, 50, 60. You know, and the reason they do that is because so oftentimes, sexually, everybody's so loose that they, they have no, men have no motivation to be married. They can just use people all along the way. And it's evil and it's wrong. So we don't have that kind of challenge to be married and to become responsible. It's a very difficult society we're living in. So you pray your ears off for your kids. Somebody say amen. But finally, be committed to creating a culture of honor wherever you are. At home, at church, at your job. Create a culture of honor. You say, well, boy, you know, I got a boss. He's really, he's really different. He's strange. That's all right. You honor him. He's your boss. Honor him. 
Well, nobody else honors him. Well, you do. By the way you speak, by the way you try to obey. I thank God that this is a church that has a culture of honor. You guys are incredible. You honor your leaders in this house. I mean, it's awesome. It is awesome. And, um, and I, you know, I've, I've at times had to say I'm sorry when I've gotten out of line and with my staff, and I've had staff members tell me they're sorry when they've said something or done something. It's because we created a culture of honor. Always understand it. Honor is a key. It's a key to a blessed life. Wherever you are, you bring honor. You say, well, I don't like the person who is, in, is, is our mayor or our governor or our president or our congressman. Stop, stop, stop. Who says you're supposed to like them? It's, that's not the issue. The issue is honor them. Give honor to whom honor is due. You don't like yourself sometimes. You give honor. You give honor to everyone. Because we're all made in God's image. That's why you treat everybody with dignity. It doesn't matter what color skin. It doesn't matter if they're fat or skinny or tall or short. They're made in the image of God. And you create a culture of honor wherever you go. And you honor them. Well, I'm done. <laughs> I said, boy... You whacked us today, Pastor. No, I'm just trying to get you blessed. The blessed family. I want your family blessed. Listen, I know what it's like to have the blessing of God on my life and my children. It's awesome. When Dad came out of the hospital... On Thursday, uh, you know, he was still, and he's still, he's, he's still struggling with uh, being able to walk and so many things. And, and uh, he hadn't shaved for a long time, and, you know, and it was prickly and all over the place. And uh, it was Friday evening. I said, Dad, I said, tomorrow I'll shave you. He says, Okay. Now, for me, I've never shaved anybody in my life except myself. And I was having nightmares. What if I nick him? What if I... You know? But I prayed and said, Oh, God, help me to bless Dad. I want to bless Dad. I want to honor Dad. Well, <clears throat> I got up to the house yesterday, and I said, Dad, I'm ready to shave you. He said, Son, you don't need to shave me. I'm going to shave myself. I didn't say it, but I thought, Praise Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Praise Jesus, because I, I've never done that for somebody else before. I was, I was kind of a little nervous, and I may still have to. I don't know. Did he ever shave himself? He did shave. Is he looking good? See? God answered my prayer. <laughs> but I realized something. It doesn't matter what condition a person's in. Our job is to honor. Our job is to honor. And when we do that, we honor God. Stand to your feet. Let's give praise and honor to God. Lift your voice and let's praise the Lord. Lord, we praise you and we worship you. I hope the word encouraged you. Thank you so much for joining us here on the King Central Podcast. 
God bless you. Walk in power and walk in the fullness of that which God has given you.